Hi, everyone. We've set up this Being an Engineer podcast as an industry knowledge repository, if you will. We hope it'll be a tool where engineers can learn about and connect with other companies, technologies, people, resources, and opportunities. So make some connections and enjoy the show. I was always hunting for that dream job. And I thought, if I just look hard enough, if I try enough jobs, I'll find it. Like, it's out there somewhere. I know I'll find it. And then the harder I tried, the more frustrated I became. Hello and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Being an Engineer podcast. Our guest today is Gina Covarubias, who is a certified life coach and holds a bachelor's degree in aeronautical and astronautical engineering from Purdue, as well as a master's degree in mechanical engineering from the University of Utah. After over 12 years of engineering and technology experience in government, academia, and corporate aerospace, Gina founded Deliberate Doing, LLC, an exclusive STEM coaching service dedicated to helping technical professionals defeat career despair. Gina, thank you so much for being with us today. Aaron, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be great. Well, what I'm delighted and been looking forward to this conversation. Me Tell too. Tell me, what, what initially made you decide to become an engineer? Uh, initially, that was a no-brainer for me. Um, it was my childhood dream since I was very young to grow up and work in the aerospace world. And so becoming an engineer seemed it, it was the natural choice because I liked math and science so much. And it wasn't even a thought. There, there were no other majors that were worthy in my mind. Interesting. So ever since you were little, you wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to work in the math and science field. When I got older, I just realized engineering seems like the best natural fit. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't pay too poorly either. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. Well, eventually you decided that uh, you'd had a great time doing engineering, but you wanted to pursue another interest of, of being a coach to engineers and, and others in the STEM field. What, what are one or two experiences that you had as an engineer that kind of helped you realize, I'd like to try coaching engineers? Yes. Well, um, I will kind of uh, re reword your question just a little bit um, because it wasn't that I had so many great experiences as an engineer and that one day I decided I'm going to go ahead and coach engineers. That is not the way it turned out at all whatsoever. <laughs> okay. It sounds like there's an interesting story behind <laughs> this. Please keep going. <laughs> well, you know, my assumption. And I suspect many people when they graduate from college, start their careers, whether they're engineers or not, I suspect many people have the assumption that their career is going to be linear and that they're just going to kind of stay on the same track until they retire and, and be happy. So as I went along throughout my engineering career, and I had wonderful opportunities to try many different types of jobs. 
So that I'm very thankful for. Everything from very, very technical to very administrative and everything in between. So as I moved along my engineering journey, trying all these different roles and jobs and titles, I was always on the search for that perfect one. I was always hunting for that dream job. And I thought, if I just look hard enough, if I try enough jobs, I'll find it. Like it's out there somewhere. I know I'll find it. And then the harder I tried, the more frustrated I became. So I noticed myself going through patterns of being content throughout my day and then just being unhappy and not, not really knowing why. Couldn't really pinpoint what was so wrong. I just felt like there's got to be more to life than this. And there were some days, Aaron, I would just go into work and think, why did I go to school and bust my rear end for, for this? Like it just, it, I couldn't connect the dots between the schooling and what I was actually doing in my day to day. And then I certainly couldn't connect the dots between what I was doing in my day to day and where that dream job was. It, it was almost as if I felt entitled, like I went through all the steps and I checked the boxes and I was just kind of waiting for this pot of gold to fall in my lap and it never did. Does that sound familiar to you? It sounds very familiar to me. Yes. So I'm listening to you talk about this and I have an idea that I'd like to try. Let me know if you're up for this. This is a, a little bit... um not tangential, but not exactly what I was planning on doing. 14 years ago, I got laid off from my job and I definitely did not enjoy what I was doing, even though when I started my career in engineering, I loved it, right? I got to do all these fun things, CAD design, working on a mill, prototyping things, doing some light metalworking, building assemblies, testing things, loved it, right? At some point, I stopped loving it, and I was not happy, and the people I worked for, they were very bright, observant people. They noticed this. 2009 to 2008 recession came along, and I got, I got chopped, and uh, they made the right choice. Um, so my, my idea here is, would you be open to trying some live coaching with me right now? I'd like to put myself back into that 14-year-ago Aaron, pretend that's where I still am. I think that I've, and it's taken me a long time to get to this place, but I, I think I've largely unpacked what was going on, but it would be really cool just to kind of hear how how you coach engineers and m maybe you can help me unlock some additional guidance. And I'm, I'm sure people listening to this will get something out of it and be like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I would love for Gina to help me like that. What do you say? Absolutely. I love it. Let's All right. Do it. Awesome. Okay. All right. So, uh, this is me 14 years ago. Where where would you like me to start? Sure. Why don't you tell me, Aaron, why you're interested in coaching? Well, um, when I started engineering, uh, this was about three years ago, I got my first full-time job. Prior to that, I, I had a couple of really great internships, which I enjoyed deeply, both in you know very engineering roles. Uh, but I started my first full-time engineering role about three, three and a half years ago, and it was great. Uh, did a lot of like CAD design and 
Um, I did uh, working on mills and lays, making some small prototypes and building and testing and everything was just really fun. I, I enjoyed it a lot. These days, I find myself very disengaged with the work. In fact, I put earbuds in at the beginning of the day and I kind of tune out to what's going on around me. Uh, and I just, I just can't find the love anymore. I think I might just not like engineering anymore. Maybe I'm ready for something completely different. Have you investigated other engineering roles that you think might be of interest? Hmm. I have not invested, investigated other engineering roles. And to be honest, I have kind of a limited understanding of what other engineering roles even are. Um, I have looked at very, very different things. For example, I started a photography company with a friend of mine and we run that on the side. And that's been really fun learning something brand new and kind of getting to be on my own a little bit. In fact, I find myself at work thinking about photography when I should be thinking about engineering. So you truly are disengaged in your day to day because you're actually your mental brain is somewhere else. Yeah, that's true. There's definitely truth to that statement. Any idea what changed from three years ago until now? Well, let's see. Um, I've been doing a lot more paperwork lately, like engineering change orders and some documentation uh, it's less CAD design, less hands-on activities, less prototyping. Um, and, and I feel like, um, I'm being micromanaged quite a lot lately. And honestly, some of that is probably my fault because maybe I haven't been quite as on point as I used to be. So those are maybe some reasons. Um, what do you mean by on point? Hmm. Um, just not as focused. Uh, I had, um, I had a one-on-one -on -one with my manager the other day and I think he's maybe noticing that as well. He kind of brought that up a little bit and, uh, I, I assured him that, Hey, my loyalty is to this company and I'm, I'm super dedicated to the role that I have. But if I'm being completely honest, I don't really feel that way. I just, I don't want to lose my job. And so I said those things, uh. but, I don't think that's really true anymore. Sure, sure. I'm wondering, Aaron, other than the paycheck, because we all love getting a paycheck, right? Right. But other than the paycheck, why do you go to work? Wow, that's a great question. Why do I go to work? Um, I really enjoy learning new things. And and doing things I'm already good at, like CAD design and a little bit of machining, prototyping. Uh, so I guess I, I go to work to do those things. But lately, I, there haven't been a lot of opportunities to do those things. It's more documentation. Um, financial freedom is really important to me. Uh, you mentioned the paycheck. Of course, that's there. But, you know, to be honest, I, I feel like my ability to... Uh, take my financial destiny in my own hands is pretty limited in this role, you know? Like, I could bust my butt super hard all day, all week, every month, and I'm not going to see that many financial rewards for it. So that's <laughs> another thing I think that's been kind of demotivating for me. So financial reward has kind of demotivated you. 
And finances are one of those things that fall outside of us. It's an external entity that, let's be honest, we don't control how much we make. We can't control when we get the raise or the promotion. So the financial aspect is outside of us. And you want it to be different, but you can't control it. And it's kind of festering. It's frustrating. Yeah. You know, I'll work super hard and maybe I get, you know, a couple thousand extra dollars raised at the end of the year, which just feels like that's not a very good reward for how how much time I'm putting in. Yes. And that's an extrinsic reward, which is what most of us are taught to pursue in our careers. Pursue Mm. the externals like the money, like the validation. That we can't control so well. That we can't control so well, but that's how we've been raised. We've been raised to believe those are the things that you're supposed to go for. You're supposed to people please, please your parents, please your teachers, your professors, your bosses, and on and on and on. Yeah. So without even realizing it, we grow up with this mentality of, I'm going to seek all these things outside of me. And we really don't control them. And cut. Ed scene right there. That that was that was really great. Um, that was super interesting because I kind of thought I knew where I was going to go, and it was is mostly down this path of I don't like to be told what to do. I like to have a lot of freedom to kind of uh, map out my own day and and figure out how to do things. Take take high level ownership and responsibility. But I, I kind of felt myself naturally going towards this the money thing, which I remember was it was kind of a big deal for me back then. And, and then you brought it all back with, well, the, they're intrinsic and extrinsic, extrinsic rewards, and you only have so much control over the extrinsic. And it, it made me realize or, or think about the fact that, um, the, I guess it comes back to like personal, um, n- not freedom is in like living in a free uh, country type freedom, but the autonomy i guess right the ability to to, to pursue what what i want to pursue is so huge for me and and the money aspect is very closely tied to that right money isn't everything but it's up there with air and water and if if you don't have enough of it it's really hard to just pursue the things that you really want to pursue anyway that that was terrific i hope other people kind of uh, uh gained something from that really short example but Great job, Gina. Thank you for for. Oh, uh, I, I could go on and that. on about that, Aaron. I could go on <laughs> and on about that, but you know, it's just kind of put the bow on top of this and wrap it up. Um, when we are too externally motivated, we're going to wear ourselves out. We're going to burn out. We're going to be unhappy, and it's one of those things where you can't really put your finger on it. You may not even know what's going on. Yeah, well said. Well said. Um, well. Maybe can you talk a little bit about um, what what are some of the hardest things about coaching engineers specifically? Or, or do you think there's nothing especially difficult about coaching engineers? It's just like coaching anyone, you run into kind of the same challenges over and over, same patterns emerge. I wouldn't say there's more of a difficulty coaching engineers as opposed to others. Because let's be honest, in in my coaching business, what I teach to engineers, it applies to anybody across all industries. If you're a human, then you could use a life coach. But with engineers, they tend to um, struggle a little bit more with expressing themselves. Mm. They can't 
necessarily always find the words to describe the problem, or maybe they take a little bit longer to be vulnerable and open up in a session. Because let's face it, in a one-on-one coaching session, um, it takes trust on both sides. And the person on the other side of me has to feel very comfortable with me, with my credentials, and with basically answering questions, just like I was asking you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was great, right? You didn't, you didn't give me advice. You just asked questions and let me kind of find my own advice, so to speak. Exactly. That's yeah. the magic of it. That is the magic. All right. Um, you had talked a little bit about looking for the perfect job and and never really finding it. Tell me a little bit more about that. I falsely believed. Aaron, this was one of my narratives that I didn't know was a narrative back then, but it wasn't serving me well. I just assumed there was a dream job waiting for me. After all that hard work I went through in college, after all the student loans that I took out, I've, as I said before, I've felt almost entitled to a really great career and a very nice future. So I falsely assumed that there was a dream job somewhere out there. It was just going to make me happy. I was just going to bounce out of bed every day and fly to my job and just couldn't wait to get started. And it never happened. And the harder I looked, the more frustrated or depressed I became because I would turn around and either blame myself or I would blame the employer or I would blame my environment. There was always some, somewhere, someone or somewhere else to blame other than looking inside and doing a deep dive. And how did you get past that? I don't know that I ever did. Going back to your question earlier about I had this wonderful career and how did I decide to become a life coach? So we're getting back to that now. I never did get past this idea that there's got to be a dream job. I had gone through the pattern enough over the years in my career that I decided it's time to pursue something else. I'm not finding what I want. Every time I switch roles or switch jobs or employers or whatever it is, It's kind of the same stuff, different day. And I was looking for something that was going to make me happy. And and I just knew I wasn't getting there, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So at a certain point, you decided, all right, let's pivot and got into coaching. And how has your mindset changed at all as you've been coaching has this been closer to that that perfect job, so to speak? Oh, wow. What a great question. So I pivoted not knowing what I was going to do next. I just want to make that very clear. I had no idea where I was going with myself. I quit and I decided I was going to live off my savings. I didn't have another job lined up, but I knew I was going to be okay. Like I was really at peace with that decision. Peace. So I discovered life coaching without even trying to look for it. It hit me over the head one day. I found a podcast, started listening, 
And I thought, that's it. That's what Gina needs to be doing. (laughs) So I signed up and got certified and created my business to help that unhappy engineer that I used to be. Wow. Wow. And my mentality has changed so, so much from the days when I was an engineer, Aaron, because now I can look back and I can understand how I caused myself so much grief. And I can look back and see how I pointed the finger and blamed everyone or everything around me. But I was so emotionally immature that I didn't think to look at myself. If I had had a life coach back then, I I would have been in tip-top shape. I would have been great. I bet a lot of people are going to listen to this and just find so much value in in hearing you talk about where you were before and then this kind of self-actualization. I'm trying to formulate this question in my mind. You mentioned that you looked in all these different places except like internally, right? How did you finally get to a point where you realized, oh, there's this other place I haven't looked and it's called self-reflection. I need to do that. And like, what was that process? How did you start doing that? The whole reason that came about, Aaron, was due to my life coaching certification. Mm. I had grown so much going through that program. And I gained so much emotional maturity and emotional intelligence. And it really hit me over the head after I had gone through all of my training. Interesting. Which was a great thing because then I was able to apply it to other people and help them, which is my purpose today. Yeah. But back then, when I was in my shoes as an engineer, uh, I was too far into my own head. Hmm. What are some ways that you help engineers now get outside of their own head so that they can self-reflect and uh, go through a similar process that, that, that you did? So the process for anyone who works with me one-on-one is very similar to when I coached you a few moments ago. There's a lot of asking questions and there's a lot of forcing them to kind of sit and reflect. And my job is to take their brain to to brand new territory, to brand Mm. new places that it wouldn't go on its own. To help them expand their opportunities and open up new paths that they didn't even know existed. Yeah, which is super helpful, especially when you are kind of stuck in your own head. It's it's almost impossible for you to see those other options, those other possibilities. So having someone else come in who's done this before and ask some questions that help you think in new ways is, is super valuable, I think. I also want to mention real quickly, um, I love that you found life coaching on a, on a podcast, not just because we're on a podcast right now, but because I feel like one of the most valuable things that we can do as we grow in our careers as people is to expose ourself, ourselves to different ideas. And, and there are a, a variety of ways to do this. Um, books are a great one. Podcasts are a great one. And it, it's so interesting that you never know where that life-changing idea is going to come from. I've paid thousands of dollars to go to seminars and conferences, mastermind groups where 
Um, I hope to learn something new, be exposed to some great idea, and I have been. But I've also spent $10 on a book and found just as powerful an idea there. So I think this idea of finding different ways to expose yourself to new ideas is is really important and valuable and something that, that people should look at doing. I love how you said this. I couldn't agree more, Aaron. And I will tell you that when I made my pivot, when I left my profession, not knowing what I was going to do next, my short-term plan was to dive into information. And that's what I did. I started listening to podcasts. I bought a whole stack of books. I started taking courses online. I started watching YouTube videos. I just wanted to arm myself with other information. I just wanted to know what else is out there. Yeah. What could I be missing? And I wasn't looking for the next idea to start a new business. It just happened. Yeah. So I'm really glad that you bring up that point. Yeah. Well, it came from you. So thank you. Um, I think this must be a very fulfilling profession, right? Life coaching, helping people, helping engineers. Um, it just on a human level, feels good to know that you helped someone else, right? It, I'm not sure that there's a more fulfilling feeling that us humans can experience. So what are a couple of the decisions that you've helped engineers make that you're most proud of? Oh, wow. So by far, the most common issue people bring to me is, Gina, I just don't know if engineering is right for me. Sounds familiar. Do I, do I stay in this industry or do I do I pivot? Do I change industries? Do I go back to school, maybe get an MBA or or do I start my own business and become an entrepreneur? I would say that's the biggest issue people come to me with. If. And on a broader scale, it really comes down to indecision. People are afraid to make a decision. They don't know. They think there's a right and a wrong answer. So indecision and career path, those are really top ticket items that I help people with. Okay. And when you're coaching someone and they have that issue, I don't, I don't know if I like engineering anymore. I'm not sure if I want to keep doing this or just switch to something completely different. Would you say that a majority of, the, the, of your clients continue with engineering or a majority go off and do something totally different? Or is it an even split? How does, how does that work out? I'm just curious. Yes, yes. A majority of the time, and by majority, I'm talking like nine and a half out of 10 times after someone works with me, what they realize is that they're blaming engineering for all kinds of problems that they've got going on inside. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. 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 Very easy, Aaron, to point the finger and blame when things are not going your way or when you're unhappy. Wow. Powerful statement. Most people end up staying right where they are because they realize they've got some work to do on themselves. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Just that makes my heart, you know, feel warm and fuzzy. I love it. Um. You have this this idea of doing a root cause analysis on on one's career, which is great for engineers, right? We hear root cause analysis and, and we know, oh, Gina speaks my language. Okay. She's the one I need to talk to. Talk a little bit about that. Where where did this idea come from and kind of what, what does that process look like? 
Thank you. Thank you for asking. This really is a, a follow-up to what we just talked about. So usually what happens is people are unhappy with their job or with people at work or with the environment for whatever reasons. Again, it's very easy to blame the externals. And they start pointing out all the things that are wrong. And so by root cause analysis, what I do is I start asking them, tell me what's wrong with this, tell me what's wrong with that. And then we take it another layer. And they say, well, I just, I'm, I'm, my boss micromanages me and they don't let me, they don't give me the freedom to do what I want. And once we start digging deeper and deeper, getting closer to the root cause, it always comes back to something that's going on with them. So what we love to do as employees, Erin, is we love to create expectations. We create expectations about the way work is supposed to go. We have expectations around the way other people are supposed to act. We have expectations around the way we're supposed to get promoted when we do a good job. We're supposed to get rewarded, right, when we do good work. We take these expectations to the workplace with us. And then when those expectations are not met, then we really spiral downward. And it could be as severe as a depression or it could be just a lot of frustration or anything in between. So by root cause analysis, Aaron, what I try to do is help them understand what are these expectations that you're setting for the world around you? And then are they serving you? How hey. well are these expectations serving you? Are they doing you any good? And if they're not, we need to reframe them. And what's an example of, of reframing these? So let's say that we, we, we're self-aware enough. You help us get to a point where, okay, you're right. These uh, expectations are not benefiting me. How does one go about reframing them? Oh, yes. So I, I will tell you a huge expectation that we take to the workplace with us is this idea that if we perform a certain way or if we work hard enough, we're going to get certain outcomes, whether it's a raise, whether it's a promotion, what have you. So in the example of outcomes, what I teach people is, what if the outcome itself doesn't really matter? What if work is not really about that promotion or the money? Hmm. What if there's a more profound meaning for going to work every day? Which could look like you rewarding yourself from within and you transforming yourself from within and you serving other people and developing yourself and using the workplace as a platform to transform yourself inside. What if that is more important than that external outcome. Sure. Yeah. I I can see how most people can get to a place where they realize, ah, uh, maybe it's not engineering that from in my case, I always say that I thought I had fallen out of love with engineering. So get to a point where, okay, it's not engineering I've fallen out of love with. Um 
there probably are some situations where it does make sense for a person to pivot. For example, you did, right? You pivoted out of engineering and, and, and into engineering coaching. What does that situation look like for, for engineers? How, how, do they, how do they know when, okay, it's not me. It is the job. It is the career. I do need to, to pivot. Talk us through that a little bit. Yes. So there are extreme cases. If you're, you know, bullied, if you are really maxed out intellectually in the workplace and there are literally no other positions for you to continue growing, once you stop growing, that's a really, really big red flag. Mm, okay. That it's time to move on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can attest to that. I mean, uh, I love learning new things. And I feel like if I'm not doing, I used to think that I had to do something different every couple of years because I would get bored doing what I was doing, which is true to some extent. But really what I was saying, what I am saying is that I need to keep learning new things, right? Keep stimulating my mind with new challenges. Otherwise, things just get stale and it's it's not fun anymore. Absolutely. And whether you're in this job for the next day, for the next year, if you become creative enough, you can find ways to stimulate your yeah. brain at yeah. work. Awesome. Well, um, you mentioned that you might need to get a little creative, right? And think about different ways to approach your job. I remember for me, I told my father-in-law, I don't like engineering anymore. I, I, I think I want to quit. And and he suggested that maybe it wasn't engineering I disliked, but just the way in which I was doing engineering, which turned out to be very true, right? Once I went from uh, being an individual contributor to owning a business, and, and now I get to like drive all these things, right? I'm high level responsible. I'm, I'm not just a cog in the machine. I am the machine, so to speak. Um, that was transformational for me. Uh, you talk about resilience a lot and, and how important it is for, for engineers to have resilience. And I think it definitely requires that resilience to like be a little creative and think through, okay, how can I change the way in which I'm doing my job to be more fulfilling to me? How, how do you help engineers use resilience in their careers? Oh, yes. Great question. So resilience to me is all about taking ownership over the way you feel, over your emotions, as opposed to pointing the finger and blaming. And so what people learn from me in our one-on-one -on -one sessions is how to own their emotions. And what they learn from me is that our emotions or our energy, I refer to it as, as, as energy, um, because it drives us to do things. Yeah. Our emotions fuel, fuel us to go out and act in the world. But that energy, those emotions, those come from up here. Those come from what we're thinking. So it's not that, for example, the boss is a micromanager. That's not what causes your emotion. What causes you to feel either um, suppressed by him or you don't have the freedom. What causes that is the way you're thinking about that boss. Boss gets, just gets to be boss and do whatever he wants. It's the way you're interpreting. It's your perception. So when I help people strengthen their perceptions, their interpretations, then they can own their emotions. And they can even cause their own emotions if they want to, which is the ideal situation. 
Yeah. So I'm like a personal fitness trainer. Nice. For the mind. Yeah, which is, goes back to reframing your situation in a, a more positive light. Absolutely. Okay, so w- without knowing the unique situations and circumstances surrounding the engineers who are listening to this particular episode, what's what's the one message that that you most want to get across to all of these engineers who are listening? Thank you for this question. Um, I actually just wrote a book on this topic. It's going to be published this fall. And what I would say is don't become attached to your career. And by attachment, that doesn't mean you can't like it. And that doesn't mean you can't try to get promotions. That's not what it means. By attachment, what I mean is don't rely on outcomes of your career to make you feel good or worthy or confident. Don't define yourself by your career. Absolutely don't define yourself by your career. If you do, you're putting all of your eggs in that one basket. And guess what? When that basket drops, you're going to be in bad shape. Bad news. Yeah. How should people define themselves if not by their career? What are some healthier ways to define, you know, who I am? Yes. Healthier ways to define who I am is to always look inside and do a lot of introspection, which could look like, what are my strengths and weaknesses? What do I want to work on for myself? How can I use tomorrow's workday to improve this one thing that I know I need to work on? How can I use next week to maybe speak up more? Because I know I'm afraid of speaking up and I want to work on that. How can I work on my communication skills in a couple weeks when I go to this one conference? So it's always about looking inside and comparing yourself to you, Hmm. not to anybody else. I like it. Yeah. Great. Well, Gina, you are still an engineer and always will have that title. Um, So within that context of an engineer, what is one thing that frustrates you and also one thing that brings you joy? I have to say one thing that frustrates me is it has to do with this whole debate around working from home. Okay, so that's a debate that's been going on for a while, right? Yeah. I would say in my observation... And you can chime in. I would think most engineers are introverts for for the most part. Yeah. I think that's what I've observed. Mm -hmm. And introverts, they tend to work well in quiet spaces. They tend to need to set aside time where they can just be with themselves and have time to think quietly. And so what frustrates me is when I hear talk from companies, managers, whoever it may be, that bringing everybody back into the office to collaborate and throw around ideas is a good thing. And I would say, you know what, for introverts, it could actually be sensory overload and it could actually be overstimulation. And a lot of us don't work well in that kind of environment. Yeah, that's fair. So I would say that's something that I would say frustrates me. And I Mm -hmm. I, I, I wish there were more talk about this. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And how about something that brings you joy? Oh, my goodness. All the people that the wonderful people that I met throughout my career, the wonderful mentors I had, 
the wonderful and unique hardware that I got to see. Um, I had some really wonderful experiences and met fantastic people that I'm still friends with today. So despite some of my frustrations about not finding my dream job, I don't want to make it sound like it was all doom and gloom because it was not. It, it, it helped get me to where I am today. Yeah, I love that you brought it back to people. Um, I read this book called The Book of Joy, and it's, it's uh, uh, an accounting of conversations that took place between during a, a week, a dedicated week where they were just together to talk about joy, uh, the Dalai Lama and Bishop Desmond Tutu. And it was such a wonderful book. And really, the what I took away from it was joy comes from people, right? It just joy comes from having meaning meaningful relationships with with people you care about. Uh, in fact, our our purpose at Pipeline as a company is to promote joy in the lives of our team members, and uh, yeah, that joy comes from working with each other. Um, and uh, let's see, shameless plug here for all of you out there who want to work with a team who is promoting joy in one another's lives, give us a call here at Pipeline if you need custom manufacturing equipment or test fixtures or automation. Um, we'd love to talk to you. And this has been just a wonderful conversation with you today, Gina. Thank you so much for Same spending here, your time Aaron. with us. Yeah. Oh, I delightful. appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I love what you're doing with Pipeline too. We, we, we need to clone you in your business. That's what we need. <laughs> uh, that, some days I wish I could clone myself. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yes, that would be. <laughs> All right. Well, Gina, um, how, how can people get in touch with you? Yes. Thank you for asking. My website is deliberatedoing.com. I have multiple videos on there, uh, webinar replays, people can watch on many different topics. I have a career blog if someone prefers to read over watching videos. Um, I have a career management guide people can sign up for. Um, and if anyone wants to get a hold of me, my email is gina at deliberatedoing.com. That's G-I-N-A. I'm happy to have an offline conversation with anybody if they want to bounce ideas off me or just kind of get a feel for my coaching style. Um, I encourage anybody to go ahead and send me a note. You can also find me on LinkedIn. And please connect with me and let me know if you heard me here on Aaron's podcast. That'd be great. Excellent. All right. Well, Gina, thank you so much again for being on the Being an Engineer podcast. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. I'm Aaron Moncur, founder of Pipeline Design and Engineering. If you liked what you heard today, please share the episode. To learn how your team can leverage our team's expertise developing turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines, and with product design, visit us at teampipeline.us. Thanks for listening.